another podcast episode of my weekly newsletter, Recasting Religious Drama. I am your host, Christine Greenwald, a mental health therapist in private practice in Bell Fountain, Ohio. I am so excited to share this week's interview with you. In it, I talk with Tyler Berry, who also lives in Bell Fountain, Ohio. Why should I care, you ask? Well, Tyler has opened what is now a gay bar that regularly hosts multiple drag shows a week right here in the heart of Trump country. Tyler grew up here and never expected himself to return home after leaving for college. But here he is, running one of the last businesses you'd expect to find in these parts. He also carries religious trauma from growing up gay in a very conservative church. We talk about all that as well as how he went from not really liking drag performers to having his life pretty much totally changed by them. Can't wait for you all to listen. Hope you enjoy the interview. All right, thank you so much for being here today, Tyler. Absolutely, thank you for having me. You're welcome. I was wondering if you could just give our guests a little idea of your background growing up here in Bell Fountain, um, you know, what it was like, especially keeping in mind like being raised in the church culture, rural culture, um, and kind of coming to terms with who you are as a person. Yeah, right. just give us the dates. Give us All the dates. things. Um, yeah, so I actually grew up about 15 minutes away from Bell Fountain. Um, in a little town called Middleburg, where the population technically is zero. <laughs> so I definitely, I was a farm boy, grew up on a 50-acre farm. I had every animal you could possibly imagine growing up. Um, um, so because of that, I did go to a rural school, Ben Logan. <laughs> Very excited about it. Um, before Ben Logan, technically, though, I went to Calvary. So I, I do have um, some private Christian school blood in me. <laughs> I, I went through... Um, all the way through fourth grade with it, and then transferred into public country school. I don't, I don't just say public school because it's like it was a public country, <laughs> country school. school. I was going to Calvary. That isolation stayed. It never, it never changed. And I mean, my class was ten people, <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was very difficult. Um, when I moved to Ben Logan, though, as a public school, I it was complete culture shock. My my parents. Um, didn't, you know, bless their hearts, <laughs> that's what they say, but they, I don't believe they really, really helped me get through that process. Now, granted, I'm not mad at them about it because they didn't know. They, I fully believe they did their absolute best on that. Um, but one of the biggest things, which I still think is a little laughable, is Calvary, at least at the time, never believed the whole sex talk thing. So when I, when I went to Ben Logan, you know, all these kids got it right before I got there, and I was clueless <laughs> so it, it was the culture shock was real <laughs> can you fill us in a little bit about your religious background i know you went yeah. to calvary but most yeah. of our people don't know what calvary is i was that um so calvary was a church and also a school i was that perfect picture kid that got straight a's in the christian school i memorized all my verses i was going to church at least two to three times a week um, i love church i love the youth group i um, it, it was a very positive experience for me growing up, and I, I definitely carry that with me. Um, I think the biggest turning point on with it was when I moved to Ben Logan and had that culture shock, and kind of just like looked at the big picture of like, wait a minute, I was never told this. Uh -huh. Wait a minute, why was I not prepared for this? And then it's like when you ask questions, I had a very negative experience of, no, we don't ask questions like that. No, we don't talk about that. No, we don't do that. And it was like, well, then what am I supposed to do? And it just happens, especially now in my life, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> and I, I do believe that the church experience I had once I got to that point was very 
they didn't like answering questions. Mm -hmm. It was just, uh, read the Bible. It mm -hmm. was, uh, well, this, and it was this, and it was just kind of thrown in your face. And it was very, um, at that point too, it was, uh, when you ask questions, you were looked down upon. And I am very like confident to say that, that people just, they looked at weakness as weakness. <laughs> um, vulnerability was like not a thing. It didn't exist. So I had a very negative um, approach to vulnerability and showing weakness growing up because of the church. Mm, okay, okay. Um, the other biggest turning point um, for me was, uh, you know, once I moved to Ben Logan, I'm going through this middle school phase of life. Um, I started, you know, obviously, learning my own sexuality, learning that I'm gay and going through that process and learning very quickly that the church I was in, that was like the absolute worst yeah. of anything you could possibly do in your life. That is the worst. And, um, I remember, you know, my mom was like, well, you know, I started hating to go to church. It was a very flip coin for me. I hated it. I hated it. Mom made me go. Well, by making me go, I hated it more. <laughs> and um, my mom always said, well, I can't, I can't, I can make you go until you're 18. The day I turned 18, I never went back. Okay. Yeah. And for me, the biggest turning point that made that decision was when gay marriage was legalized. I remember where I was sitting, what I was wearing, who I was with. <laughs> I remember it was a Saturday. And I remember the first thing I thought to myself was, oh no, tomorrow's Sunday. What is the pastor uh, going to say? Mm -hmm. And I remember being forced to go to that sermon, and I remember sitting all the way up in the highest pew and just sitting there. And, you know, even at the time, not even thinking that I was actually gay, it was more of just like a, I know that I'm not going to hate on people. Like, that's uh -huh. what I didn't like. And to hear the pastor talk about, you know, that um, situation and the ruling was just awful. Mm -hmm. It was awful for me. Um, I remember, you know, looking over at my mom and the, just like seeing how devoted she is into what the pastor was saying. And even my pastor's approach, I mean, by all means, disagree. That's, that's your opinion. That's fine. But um, my pastor's approach was very comical. It was almost like a, a laughable, like, can you believe this is oh. happening? Mm -hmm. And I remember just feeling like I was literally at a stand-up comedy show where the pastor was just cracking jokes. And at the same time, you know, the whole Caitlyn Jenner situation was very, let's say, popular going on and stuff. And I remember the one joke he said was, you know, people can be whatever they want nowadays. And if I want to be a bald eagle, then you all have to respect me and say that I'm a bald eagle. And I remember just, you know, it was a big church. And we were talking mm -hmm. like 300 people just laughing and just finding this like absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And it just... It was awful. I do remember some people getting up and leaving. I, I do remember that. Hmm. And um, yeah, after that, I, I really, really did not like religion. I really, really struggled. Yeah, that was a huge turning point. Had you come out to your family at that point? No. Okay. So <laughs> I actually came out um, just two years ago. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, as soon as I left high school and went to college, I came out immediately. It was like a block. I mean, I went to college in California, but it was like, it was a block everyone in Ohio, uh, life in California. And then once I came back, it was like a crap. Yeah. <laughs> People don't know who I am. <laughs> so um, it was, it was a struggle. It was something. And I, I fully believe, you know, why come out? I didn't see any point of it. It was like, I'm going to never you know i was like cutting ties with my family cutting ties with my friends here i'm gonna uh -huh. move far away as possible and they don't need to know why do they need to know i'm gonna start my own family tree is what i used to tell my little self yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah here okay. I am. <laughs> well that leads to the question why did you come back yeah i um that is a tricky question so 
while I was in college, um, little backstory, my parents were business owners. And so I, I have a very like weird perspective of like, uh, just how wealth affects people. Yeah. Because even as the oldest, my younger brothers, you know, they're completely different people. And I still believe it's because they don't remember the poor days. <laughs> I'm thankful. Yeah. yeah. So basically you went, you graduated high school, you went far away as you could <laughs> to yes. the other side of the country. Mm. I'm going to start my own family tree. Mm. But then you were really drawn back here to like start yes. your own kind of business model, which has had various twists and turns and evolutions. Yes. Um, eventually arriving at the current state of being yes. a gay barber. So you kind of want, like, how did you... How did that happen, <laughs> yeah. right? Because even, even talking about, you know, you know, religious trauma and what I went through as a little country boy, to say that I own a, a gay bar right? <laughs> makes no sense to me. Um, and it's not even, like, the cool thing about it, it's not even just a gay bar. Like, most gay bars that I've even been to in Ohio, they're not the size of what I have. They're not, like, the quality of what I have. Yeah. Um, and like it, it's a very very unique experience, so it's very very special. Um, but the evolution is really actually funny. So <laughs> when um, I was touring spaces, so flashback to right before I signed the lease, fall twenty nineteen. You know, my my business model was I'm gonna open a tea shop. That's all I had at mm -hmm. the time. Um, it was gonna be called Loosen Up Tea Bar. That's what I was gonna mm -hmm. call it. And um, I toured three different spaces and. Surprisingly, you know, all three of them were very closely like rent-wise. They were just kind of different locations. The thing that was really interesting is the one that I'm in currently was like twice the size. And I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'll obviously, you know, I'll take this. <laughs> it's twice my size, twice the size for almost the same cost. Like, why would I not do that? And you know, back up to my college experience, I was a performing arts student and. You know, so performing and music became very quickly a huge part of my mm -hmm. life. So when I saw this massive space, I immediately went to concerts, yeah. events, all these different things. So very quickly, my um, business model completely changed. It was originally supposed to be a full event center, a cafe that specialized in my tea products, and a small retail store of my tea products. Mm -hmm. Um, I still have the old blueprints, which was really funny. <laughs> um, and it was a beautiful concept. I was very excited about it. Um, but obviously then COVID hit and it was like, well, I can't open up an event business. That, that just, I legally can't. This is not going to work at all. So um, it, it was back and forth. You know, I was told, you know, we'll rip up the lease, give up, move back with your parents. Don't do it. It's mm -hmm. going to fail. There's no way it's possible. You have no funding, which was very true. I had absolutely no money. <laughs> um, and, you know, I kind of, it was a flip a coin of like, you know, moving back in with my parents was not an option. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just going to be crazy and just do it and see what happens. Okay. Um, when I did that, I had no business plan. I had no business model. And in a 3,000 square foot space, I operated the day I opened was it even 500 square feet of it? And I was still paying rent for the entire building. Okay. <laughs> so it was, it just evolved, evolved, evolved. Eventually it was a tea shop. I um, subleased to a, a juice bar at one point. I turned myself into basically a juice bar at one point. Uh -huh. Soups and salads, events, I rented this, I did that. I did everything you can possibly imagine all in like about two years. Mm -hmm. And then I met a drag queen. Oh. <laughs> and that, that was the turning point. Okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm sure story now you have some questions on that, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So I, um, you know, at this time too, remember, I'm I'm not even out of the closet yet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I am, you know, I'm in relationships. I'm, you know, doing these things, but it's all behind closed doors. It's okay. all very private. 
Um, and but I met this drag queen, and at the time too, I hated drag queens. I'm not afraid to say that. I hated them. They were loud. They were annoying. And I didn't understand what they were doing, and it bothered me because, as someone a part of the gay community, it, it's it's believed and it is true that drag queens represent the queer community in general. And I did not like how they re mm. represented me. It was more of at the time I was like very physical features. I didn't like that. Okay. Now that perspective's completely changed, obviously. But and I'll get into that. But um. Yeah, so I met a drag queen, you know, she was like, hey, we should do a drag show in Logan County. And I said, do you want to crash my business completely? Sure. <laughs> and we, we joked back and forth about it, and we're like, oh, yeah, like, oh, this will be fun, this will be fun. And I ended up just doing it. I mean, I was in, I had a couple close business friends that I was consulting with very closely and talking about a million what-ifs. I mean, what if 400 protesters show up and burn the building down? I mean, that's where my mind was. Yeah. And um, we went through it. It was the most it was the best day of my life absolutely mm -hmm. i went into it you know thinking you know money-wise like i'm selling tickets this is great and it's like i'm not even the one i'm not the barista i'm not the one that even has to impress a customer and upsell them there's uh -huh. other there's drag queens that are coming and they're gonna do that and that was like so relaxing and nice <laughs> i just remember like my job that day was to sit at the door give hugs and let people know where they were seated. Uh -huh. And that was it. And within like four hours, I made what the business normally made in an entire month, if not two months, oh, wow. all in four hours. Yeah. And so even like financially, I was like, oh my gosh, this is <laughs> amazing. I love drag queens. <laughs> um, but it was also, the biggest turning point was actually after the show, um, I had a, a mother and a daughter come and you know, tears it was very emotional for them and I was just kind of like what's going on <laughs> and the mother you know informed me that you know her daughter was struggling with suicide thoughts and that this event basically saved her life and this was this whole hug cry mm -hmm. scenario and like ever like just my mind shattered at the time and I didn't like I turned very quickly that now there's two points in my life where now there's a cause that I'm going to chase and I'm mm -hmm. going to run for but there's also a business and somehow I'm going to do both. Yeah. Just very, very difficult and challenging. Um, so yeah. And for the most part, the rest is almost history. It's, we kept doing more drag shows. We eventually, the need of a liquor license and a bar was needed. So we did that. And now we do almost two to three drag shows a week. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. So, yeah. What was it about talking to the drag queen that like <laughs> changed your mind? Going yeah. From, I so did not like this I, Coming from a performance background as well, um, you know, performance and arts, you know, sometimes we can be very clicky and fake and it's like, you know, I'm going to get here, it's a show, it's a job. And I remember it was probably, you know, my drag queen friends are going to laugh about this if they hear this. <laughs> it was probably almost three to four months into it that oh. I started getting close with these performers out of drag. Oh. And it, it was that, that connection out of drag that was relatable to me. You know, when they were in drag, I was not relatable to them at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't connect with them at all. Uh, maybe slightly on a performance level, I was entertained. I liked it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there was still that, that distance. But as soon as the makeup came off, I mean, these people became my best friends. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, I consider them very, very close friends. And, and then that's when, like, all the connections came into play of, you know, similar trauma stories, similar this, similar mm -hmm. that. Even to the point where it's like, crap, like... Should I do drag? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if the, all these people are sharing similar things to me, you know, the sun, I have a performance background. Maybe I could do this. Um, so, and it's been very interesting too because 
myself, you know, inner homophobia that I was dealing with, um, just saying that all drag queens are the same. That is mm. the dumbest thing you could possibly say. I've never met a drag queen that is at all comparable to another drag queen. And a lot of people from a customer basis, they don't get to see that. And I wish they did mm -hmm. because it's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. So yeah, yeah, that was the turning point. Wow. <laughs> Are there, I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, I've just opened up some more. <laughs> Do you think that a lot of people who have kind of a, a religious trauma background, or like, you know, if you're a drag queen, you don't usually think of like, that fits in well with a really yeah. conservative church. Do right. you feel like a lot of people interested in drag, or, or just in the queer community in general, have a lot of religious trauma? Yes. Oh, hands down. I, I don't know very many people that don't have religious trauma. Mm -hmm. um, the ones that I could maybe think about is, you know, maybe in more um, liberal cities or liberal states, sure. you know, friends that I had in California. I had queer friends that were just like so involved with the church and it was fine and mm -hmm. it was no big deal. I mean, there's there's lesbian pastors there. there there's yeah. just things that we don't even really think of in a rural town that happen. Um, but even just going on a drag queen perspective, I mean, do most of Ohio drag queen performers have religious trauma? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm confident on that. Um, are a lot of them very disconnected from religion and have absolutely no desire to even get involved with it? Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Are there some, though, that are very still affiliated in the church? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, Drag Queen Story Hours, honestly, some of those, I know, the crucial, <laughs> um, controversial, but, um, you know, some of those happen in churches, and they're yeah. beautiful. They're yeah. fantastic. I mean, even great examples, like, literally last night, <laughs> I, I was hanging out with two of our show directors, and... <laughs> I always joke with them that they're both black and they, they were like, Tyler, you have no culture. And I'm like, I know, like, please help me. And, she, and they're always like, you know, well, we're going to give you black culture. And I'm like, oh, Lord, like, let's go for it. <laughs> and we sat there for like, it was probably every bit of two hours just talking about actually their experiences in church. Oh. And both of them, which I thought was really cool, was said that the reason why they do drag and the role models they look up to is from the aunties in their church they grew up with. Oh. And a lot of their drag personas reflect them. Oh my god. And I was like, this is really interesting. And one one out of the two, I mean, one, I, I think um I think they, you know, struggle still with some uh, trauma and stuff like that. But the other one, I mean, he was like, Yeah, I'm a Christian. I love it. You know, mm -hmm. this is it. We've talked about having gospel drag shows. Uh-huh. That some people makes absolutely no sense, but it is a thing. And sure. I, I've seen gospel drag numbers and they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. it was it was really, really interesting conversation. And that happened yesterday. So mm -hmm. I think my and I think everyone's perspective always needs to be evolving and getting used to change. Cause even on my own end, you know, every day is a new story. Every day is a new thing that I'm learning. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, Bell Fountain in Logan County, like, Jim Jordan represents us. Yeah. This is one of the last places where you would expect a gay bar that hosts drag shows to be, like, actually very successful. How how do you feel like that has worked? Have you gotten a lot of pushback from people in the community? What's sure. that look like? Sure. Actually, everything is peachy keen and perfect. <laughs> no, <laughs> no absolutely not. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's one of those things where it... It has gotten scary, and I'm not afraid to be vulnerable and say that it has kept getting worse. And I don't think it's I. I think we're getting close to the peak of it, and I'm hoping that once it hits the peak, we kind of slow some things down. But it, it's every week right now, something's happening that I'm just like, what? Like, yeah. what? What are they? How am I getting dragged into this? How is my personal name 
getting thrown out by strangers that I have no idea who are, that have never walked in my business, Mm -hmm. you know, slandering me. And how is this allowed? How is this even happening? Um, So, I mean, it's since day one. I mean, back to the very first drag show, we had protesters. They existed. And, um, but the thing was, is there was maybe four. (laughs) (laughs) And what was really disheartening was a lot of their signs were all religious related. And at the end of the day, I'm in Belfama. In that moment of people in the audience, I mean, even were you in the audience? There was Jubilee Mennonite was involved oh, in the audience no. on that first that first one, um, but it's like I would flat out say that more than half the audience is Christian, more than half the audience is Republican, uh-huh. more than half the audience voted for Trump. There's no, it, yeah. it, it, that's the demographic of where I live. Right. If I don't <laughs> open up, <laughs> like then it would just never even potentially be successful. Yeah. And as far as the religious comment and those signs that we saw that day of my best friend and drag queen now like you know she did a gospel number she came out with a tambourine and a choir robe and just took the audience to church (laughs) and i just remember like sitting right in the middle of i could look to my right and see the protester with the jesus loves you sign and i could look to the left and watch the performance and i just like that disconnect just made me cry Mm -hmm. i mean it was it was very just it it was very just misunderstood and it was very frustrating so um, but yeah, I mean, we get pro- protesters. There's definitely a good handful of people that you know I have that are being very closely watched because mm-hmm. their posts are scary. I okay. mean, they're they're not they're not for the weak to think about. They yeah. are scary. Yeah. So I remember even just like some real life scenarios when I when we hosted Pride for the first time last year. The morning of, I'm getting death threats. Like, mm. That is how my morning woke up. Yeah. I had to call the police. I had no evidence of anything, and the police came down. And we talked about it, and it's like, and it wasn't even just like a, a ba- I don't even want to say a basic death threat. It was a, hey, so and so is going to go in and shoot up the olive tree. Oh, that geez. was the threat, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> like there's hundreds of people in this building right now, and at the end of the day, it's all on me. Like I was freaking out. So, I mean that that luckily I haven't had something that serious happen again. Mm-hmm. So, but. I mean, it, it's real. It's real. Yeah. It is real. And a lot of my customers and a lot of my supporters know that. A lot of yeah. the queer people, you know, when we talk about some of these threats, mm-hmm. we just kind of answer with, and? That's every day. That is every day. Every single day we deal with that. Every day it's a, uh, am I going to get called a slur going to Walmart? That, uh-huh. that is life. That is it. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's How a do lot. you cope? That you know, I, <laughs> I'm not afraid to say that um, you know, if you would have looked at me a year ago, my coping mechanisms were horrible. Um, <laughs> I struggled a lot emotionally. I struggled a lot in friendships. I struggled a lot in relationships. I struggled pretty much across the board completely. Um, and uh, one actually big thing, which is funny, we're in a yoga studio right now, is <laughs> yoga. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I was pretty religiously involved in yoga for a little while. And um, I'm trying to get back into that currently to help. Um, but I did have a turning point recently, maybe about three weeks ago, where um, I was granted an opportunity to get some business coaching, basically. And I, it has completely changed my life. It's just having someone that is a third party that doesn't even live in Ohio that we Zoom call that just like, it turned into therapy, basically. <laughs> but it turned into like business therapy. Business and therapy. the more I like have gotten to know even business owners in general, like, 
there's one business coaching is one thing and it's very in my opinion like the emotions are taken out it's very cut and dry we have to do this to do this number and make mm-hmm. sure we do this blah 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 and then there's therapy which is like all emotional based mm-hmm. and i feel like i hit the jackpot where i have this middle ground of both and i mean i've done three um three coaching sessions with okay. him now and every single one at the end i'm like closing my laptop and like basically crying and yeah like, okay he's right <laughs> i need to do this i need to set time away i need to make sure i'm you know say no sometimes and I, I think that was the biggest coping mechanism i <laughs> you know have been strongly trying to do is you know i'm uncomfortable with something i have to say no if yeah. it hurts someone else it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. And sometimes. Sometimes. That sounds awful, but some sometimes it is. You need to you do know, it. I can't, I can't stretch myself too thin or other things fall apart. Yeah. So I've, I've, I'm actually pretty proud of myself with the balance I have right now. At That's least. good. So, yeah. I don't plan anything before 11 o'clock. So the fact that I came <laughs> in at 10 a.m. this morning, that I is, feel very that special. is a, <laughs> <laughs> broke my coping mechanisms. <laughs> Sorry about so. that. <laughs> oh, wow. So... I'm thinking there's there's like a lot of things that would make your average person feel like really nervous and unsafe, yes. but you, <clears throat> I think too, like you're really obviously passionate about what you're doing. Like, is that what keeps you going? How, how I, much do you worry for your safety? So, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> for, for a full circle moment, going back to that first day of the drag show and that moment with that mother and daughter, yeah. I think about that every day. Yeah. And because of that, that keeps me going. 100%. I don't stop because of that. Yeah. And even since that moment, I mean, I could I could list almost maybe a dozen people that similar stories, similar hugs, similar tears, mm-hmm. um, people that have come to me and said, you know, I was planning to move out of Bell Fountain mm-hmm. and now I'm not. The amount of people that have said, you know, hey, I just came across your bar and I had a really good time. We're looking to move and we're from Columbus we're going to look into Belfont real estate. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what? <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, it, it's turned into a, you know, I am very passionate about what I do. I'm very proud of what has happened. Um, but it, it's, it's a hundred percent a community related project. I yeah. just happen to be the face of it. Um, there are so many people that I would call regulars that have poured money, blood, sweat, and tears, and just effort into what has been created. And mm-hmm. I'm very, very thankful for that. Yeah. very very thankful for that so I, I have my support team I have the people I look for I have you know when I fall I have people that pick me up and I'm very thankful for that yeah so I do remember you saying something once about like if you had had something like this growing up what a yes. difference it would have made and now you're yeah. providing that for others but yeah and that that's it's evolved in turn so my my biggest thing was you know pre <laughs> pre olive tree transition if we want to call it that I was very a stressed out business owner like everyone else. I was figuring out, you know, what is working? What do people want? What do I have to put on the shelves? How am I making numbers? How am I doing this? And it was 24-7 work. And I, even now it's like I'm still working 24-7 feels, but at the time it was a lot of physical labor. And um, what was really, really interesting is even in those models, I was ignoring my own needs and my own wants. I was ignoring what I actually liked and I was just focusing on what other people potentially mm-hmm. liked. And when I came out to my mom two years ago, and then, you know, then just a couple minutes later, we play this drag show and these opportunities come to me. It was like, is the olive tree about to come out as gay? <laughs> and it did. And what was really interesting is as scary as that was, once it happened, yeah. like, 
it was beautiful. And like the stress of trying to fit this business model that really wasn't even me just completely went away. Because when I walk into the olive tree, it is me. I, I tell people the walls, the art, the things that happen in there is what is inside my head, <laughs> you know? So, um, and it, it's, I would say the only thing, this is kind of funny, the only thing that maybe doesn't connect to me the most is probably the bar. Uh -huh. <laughs> the, the alcohol aspect of it was something that it was a community cry out <laughs> and okay. basically like you know if we're gonna come to drag shows you know I'm the only drag venue in probably the world that's not even offering really alcohol uh -huh. <laughs> they kind of go hand in hand and um, it was kind of like a well a business decision okay. yes <laughs> and now I I've learned to love it I've learned to like I mean, not love alcohol, <laughs> I'm not going to promote that, but I've learned to love what the atmosphere has created. Mm. It's created a safe place where, you know, is alcohol, yes, about coping mechanism? Absolutely. But if I have a bartender that's trained and if I'm there as well, that's also saying, hey, you're not okay right now. Mm -hmm. We're not going to let you drink four bottles of alcohol. Like, uh -huh. We're not going to let you do that. Um, it's created this really, really safe experience where people can come and be themselves and be vulnerable and yeah. talk about their traumas and talk about their things. I mean, my bartender cracks up right now because beforehand she worked at a straight bar and she's, she says all the time, she's like, these emotions, like <laughs> it, is, it is a lot. And we, it's, it's almost like she has became mother and yeah. there are people that treat her like mother. And yeah. she, I just couldn't, th I couldn't be more thankful to have her in her position enough. So yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Hopefully that explains that a little more. <laughs> yeah. I, to back up like a second, I guess, I was curious, going back to drag shows, what yeah. you wish that people, people have a lot of conceptions, yeah. misconceptions about drag shows. What do you wish people knew? I wish people knew that drag queens are people and that's it. They are everyday people that they, you know what, they shop, they buy groceries, they pay their taxes, hopefully, <laughs> you know, they do everything else we do. Yeah. And it is 110% an art form. It is 100% entertainment. Um, I think drag is one of the most beautiful art forms there is personally, just because it has allowed an outlet for queer people to experiment, mm -hmm. to try new things, to, um, you know, any, any art student or performer, let's say even at the Holland and stuff, like when you put on a character and you put on stage makeup, you are a different person. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, even compare another analogy of like Halloween. Uh -huh. when, when you dress up as whoever you want to dress up for Halloween and you go out knocking door to door, most people have confidence because they're not, they're not Tyler. Uh -huh. There, I'm this big bad football coach. <laughs> that was a horrible example, but I'm this person, and I, that's my role, and I'm confident in it. And drag is is very very similar in my opinion, and it gives a very similar outlet where you know a lot of people that I've even met that struggle, like when they get out of drag, uh -huh. they go right back into this timid, shy, you know, yeah. close yeah. person, and as soon as the makeup goes on, the smile's there. Yeah, and uh -huh. it's. It, it, and even so it's like even just like the entertainment aspect of that that's very enjoyable um, and helpful I guess through trauma and stuff but then there's also the beauty of you know a lot of people have used drag to you know potentially transition potentially you know be like you know what I am a woman I am this I am a man I am this and uh, that has been a beautiful experience and a beautiful just like my almost favorite like drag performers that come 
you know, seeing specifically transgender stories through drag puts you in, puts you in tears. Mm. It's, it's just beautiful. And so to have an out, like, outlet for that for queer people is just phenomenal, in yeah. my opinion. So, and now I'm very, like, drag queens are the heart of the queer <laughs> community and, you know, the, all this stuff. And it's like, they are, they are the beacon. They are, they are everything. And yeah. it's really, really special to me. Yeah. I love that. Bell Fountain is going to have its second Pride Festival coming yes. up here soon. Yes. Um, how was that just like another natural evolution of what we need to be doing here? Yeah, I, I think it kind of, um, it, I, I'll explain it this way. I, I will always advocate and say that queer people are just like everyone else. But then it's like, if you remember when I was like, I don't like drag queens because they're too over the top uh-huh. and they're too this, too do that. Well, drag queens have taken people that are insecure and that are mm-hmm. introverts and that are struggling and they've brought them to light mm-hmm. so it's like once you take that and look at that picture looking back again at that first day you know i'm like drag queens are annoying this that, and the other and then this girl comes up to me and says that they saved their life and all yeah. this it's like wait a minute so i i going through with pride <clears throat> a lot of people are like well tyler if you believe that queer people are like everyone else then why are we being so dramatic <laughs> and so over the top and doing all these crazy, crazy performance related things. And on one hand I say, why not? <laughs> why not? If we, <clears throat> if we can have fun and celebrate diversity and celebrate, you know, our stories, then why not? Um, on the other hand though, I do believe it's like, I think these big dramatic festivals and crazy fun events are something to get people's attention, to advocate, to organize, and to um, basically, I don't want to say convince, but to basically share our stories and make sure people know that we are normal. Mm-hmm. And we have to do it in such a dramatic way because if I walked out, or let's, let's say a drag queen, you know, if a drag queen gets out of drag and just walks out as a normal person and tries to convince people that they're a normal person and everything's fine. No one cares. No one cares. But you put on, you know, five-inch heels and a big wig, you know, everyone's staring at you. <laughs> you get people's attention. Um, so I think Pride, you know, Pride has so many meanings and so many things. And I think it's honestly a very personal thing. I think people have different meanings for what Pride is. So mm-hmm. Pride for me is a celebration. It is a, it, it's a celebration to me of, you know, looking back at the trauma and where I was without coming out and acknowledging it Mm -hmm. and sometimes being thankful for some of the things I went through, but also acknowledging how my life has changed once I've come out. So it's by no means, I think some people are like, it's where, you know, the whole children talk is absolute crap. I mean, we're not out there trying to make kids gay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I I think it's, um, it's a very community based and very, very special thing. So, but backing up a little bit where you said that, um, you mentioned like, um, my childhood and just how this means to me and stuff. Another thing for me that it evolved to is like, again, if I was in middle school and these things were happening in front of me, my life would have changed. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, my life would have been better. If my mom would have taken me to a drag show, my life would have been better. And I'm strongly, strongly believing in that. Um, and that's why, too, it's like, I think pride's so important because, you know, when the parade goes down the street and, you know, conservative mom brings her daughter not knowing what's going on and she's just, you know, walking to go get ice cream and that daughter might be, you know, eight years old, whatever, and she looks over and she, like, that will change her life. 
Mom might not like it, but it will change her life. Does it make the daughter gay? No. Right. <laughs> it doesn't. And if anything, I think advocating for, you know, specifically more allies yeah. is like the biggest thing. It's like, hey, we're just people. We're fun. We have fun. We do cool things. This is fun. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do it a lot, you know, one for that first day of the drag show, but also for the little Tyler that sat at the peak mm -hmm. of Calvary and at that desk at Ben Logan. So, yeah, that's what drives me too. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners and readers, um, either about, you know, what people who live here, who grow up here, really need to see? What, yeah, anything that you feel like we missed? Yeah, I think um, full circle moment, going back to when I said that when, I, when the olive tree first opened and I was, I don't want to say struggling, but I was constantly overwhelmed, mm -hmm. we can say, of trying to find a business model that works for other people. And as soon as I came out and the business came out and I stepped back and said, what if I just create a business based on me? Uh -huh. Everything changed. So I think that that's like the biggest inspiration I can talk about is whatever someone's going through in their life, just be yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't. Don't pressure, don't pressure yourself, don't do that. Anything is impossible if you say it's impossible. Um, and then the classic gay quote, don't rain on my parade. <laughs> so, yep, that, that is what I would say. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely, for thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed this episode. At the time of producing the episode, Tyler has also created the Olive Tree Community Center, which is a place to uplift and support members and allies of the LGBTQ community. It offers all kinds of things, including support groups, free items for those in need, free space for LGBTQ vendors, and a sober environment to connect with people. Please find them on Facebook at the Olive Tree Community Center. You can support them by buying a membership. Not local, your membership will allow someone who can't afford it to participate. I will include plenty of links in the show notes so that you can find all the things we've been talking about today. Thanks for joining us, and I will see you next time.